and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio. We're a political podcast by and for millennials, mostly, and some other people, I guess. Um, <laughs> everybody. Everybody. It is Saturday, December 14th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. So only 11 shopping days till Christmas. Christmas. Despite our war on Christmas. <laughs> yes. I mean, Christmas still seems to be happening. I mean, it's weird, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Blix of the Cat is with us this morning, and he may chime in vocally. Yeah, he's very needy this morning. And so there's that. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about. Again, I'll probably save the impeachment stuff for the end. In case you know, the president is getting impeached and he's not real happy about it. And <laughs> Mitch McConnell basically said, fuck the Constitution, whatever, LOL. And I'll get to all that in the second half. But Rachel's got a bunch of stuff to start with. Uh, so, OK, what you got? All right. So uh, the Democratic Party debate um, is happening on, what is it, Tuesday? Well, it's supposed to. Right. Uh, Thursday, I thought. Thursday, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was supposed to be held at Loyola University. Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. Yeah. And <coughs> there is a strike happening at that university. Yeah, can I <clears throat> chime in just for a quick second? Sure. So a lot of universities, despite incredibly exorbitant tuitions and like their provosts and People high up getting paid ridiculous salaries. They're very, very cheap. And instead of hiring full-time employees, they like to use contractors. Yes. Because when you use contractors, you don't have to pay benefits and you don't need certain types of insurance. And it's what a lot of big corporations, a lot of companies, and now universities are doing it too. Yes. Um, I have been a contractor. <laughs> Me too. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute because it relates directly to this story. But oh, you mean you've been somebody who contracts people? No. Okay. All no. Right. Well, that's sort of true, I guess. Yeah. When I had my business. Yeah. Because I didn't. It was literally like, yeah, I contracted workers because I was a tiny, tiny business. Yeah, but not 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 the same. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed like one lady to come help me make boutonnieres, so I paid her. Fifteen dollars an hour. Sure, but that. she didn't work for you every day. No, she worked for me a couple times a month. Right. So that's like what a contractor should be. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't need a full time employee, but I also paid her a living wage. Anyway, okay. So um, there's a strike happening at this university. The strike is among uh, culinary workers. So mm-hmm. like the people that feed the students. If you yep. have like a student. Um, dining meal plan. halls. Right? Yeah, dining halls, and it's this company called Sodexo. And uh, so the workers are striking because <clears throat> they're being paid ridiculously unlivable wages and in horrible working conditions and everything else. In Southern California, where it's very expensive to live. And very expensive to go to school. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very expensive to go to this yeah. university. Oh, yeah. It's a private university. and Yeah. So Elizabeth Warren, because she's the best, uh, came out and said, not going to go. Was she the first? She was the first. Okay. She was absolutely the first. I, I didn't know that, but that makes perfect sense to it me. It does, right? Um, and that's sort of been lost because all seven of them have said no. Yeah, they all jumped on. Uh, but she <coughs> made a statement uh, first that says, um, the DNC should find a solution that lives up to our party's commitment to fight for working people. I will not cross the union's picket line, even if it means missing the debate. All of the other qualifying candidates quickly followed suit. Mm -hmm. Bernie was first, and then everyone else was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Um, So 
then Tom Perez, right, who is <laughs> like head labor, said like oh, Tom Perez is obviously would absolutely not cross the picket line and would never expect our candidates to either. Mm-hmm. Adding that the DNC is working with all stakeholders to find an acceptable resolution. So I guess what that means is it's not going to be held at this university. Or, well, the DNC is probably stepping in and trying to mediate at this point. I would hope so. Um, if that's the catalyst that gets this thing solved, then great. But <clears throat> let me tell you something about, again, going back to the contractors. Uh, I am a, I did not go to, but a lot of my friends went to, and I'm a big fan of the University of Miami. And they have had these labor issues for years. Uh, for years, there have been strikes, threatened strikes, walkouts, because like every other university, they use shitty, crappy contractors. Yeah. With them, it's it's been more of like the sanitation services, I think. And I think it's gotten resolved in the last year or two. Um, <clears throat> but I, I have to imagine this is happening kind of everywhere. <clears throat> everywhere that these horrible companies that use this cheap contracted labor are used. So hopefully maybe people will take a broader look uh, at not just this because the D you know, that it's getting attention because the, the debate got all fucked up about it. But right. like maybe look at this everywhere. Well, Elizabeth I'm, Warren and company. I'm going to talk about Sodexo for a minute, please. Um, so <clears throat> I used to work in security, which is a weird thing that I did for a minute um, for this tech company. Um, out of Fort Collins. I was a contracted laborer through a security company, right? Yeah. So I didn't actually work for the tech company. I worked for the security company. But you had an awesome flashlight and a Segway. I didn't have any of those things, actually. <laughs> because it, can you imagine trying to secure a, like an IT firm in Fort Collins? Like, there, there's no threat of anything ever. Um, anyway, I jumped through the ranks pretty quickly because, I don't know, it's a weird industry. Um, <clears throat> with a lot of, like, People that wanted to join the military, flunky or cops, the cops, and, and yeah, 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 people who got dishonorably yeah. discharged. Yes, yes, it's full of people like that. Um, anyway, so I I was paid very little money, and um, I worked at this company, and the cafeteria on site was uh, manned by Sodexo. So, uh, so you have the, personal experience, I have, and I'm going to tell you this fucked up story, wow, and okay. then I'm going to tell you about Sodexo broader. Mm. So I worked for this company, and um, I was very poor and I was in my very early 20s and um, yeah, just trying to sort of survive. And I ate there a lot because it was kind of cheap and it was like not great, but there's a salad bar, you know. Mm -hmm. And one time I wrote them a check because I couldn't afford to actually like my, you know, sort of balancing like paycheck to paycheck you know, my paycheck hadn't come in yet, but I needed food that day and I didn't have any money. So you so floated I, a check for lunch. I is did. What you're saying. Okay. Yes, that's what I did. And it bounced. And it bounced <laughs> because of other bills, because that's what happens in your early 20s. And that's what happened. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I quit shortly, like I think like a week after that. And so I like didn't think much of it. I didn't know that it had bounced when I had quit. And so like it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's just what happens when you're poor. Um, I got all of these phone calls from the managing person of Sodexo and she started calling me and then she started writing me emails and then she started like harassing me about this. Like it was like $5 and 45 cents. This check that high bounced. 
Okay. And I like didn't work there anymore and I still didn't have any money. I quit that job to go back to school. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the middle of like all of that and it just seemed like $5.45. Like I I don't know, like and I didn't work there so like I I didn't I just sort of like didn't acknowledge it for a minute. <laughs> when you're she, in your 20s you do things. Right. She called my boss um and told him that I had bounced this check. And then she sent an email to him CCing me, putting it in writing, Mm -hmm. that I was like a dishonorable person because I had stolen food from them and uh, that she was very disappointed and hoped that uh, my boss would rectify the situation. So you're, okay, you're boss, but you're not working there anymore. I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so your former boss. My former boss. Okay. okay. Yep. Um, he paid the debt because it was five dollars and forty five cents. And he really and liked he you, was, probably. He loved me. He came to my wedding. Um he emailed her back and said Susan or whatever her name was like Sounds like a Susan. This is an absolutely absurd thing that you're doing. Um Rachel doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> She's going to college. Um and I'm happy to pay you five dollars and forty five cents, but this should be something that like should not have been escalated to this point. And I felt terrible, and I called him, and I was like, "I'm so sorry. Just everything's been so crazy, and I like, I don't work there anymore, so I don't know how to pay her. Like, I, I want to drive down to like the south side of the town to like drop off five dollars and forty five. And he was just like, "Please don't ever think another thing of it. I have chastised her. Like she's a garbage person. Don't worry about it. I mm-hmm. love you. Everything's fine." Okay. So. Sounds While good. I was working there, but like that's the level of people that we're talking about, right? Sure, they're just excellent, petty, petty assholes. fucking assholes. And let's take one second. Like we talked <laughs> about a bunch of cop flunkies that go into security. Yeah, think about the kind of person that can't hack it as a cop, because we're gonna get into cop shenanigans later. Like they this let is, anybody be a fucking cop, right? But so, but but this is this is Sodexo, right? This is the culinary sure, people. Sure. Okay. Sure. So then I find out when I was working there, people used to like there was mutterings of like Sodexo does like prison stuff. Shady shit. So I'm just gonna read you this article from the Medium. Um, it's not an article; it's just a little example, um, and it's from a larger piece about like companies that are involved with prisons that might be on your campus. Um, Quoting this Medium article, another university food service provider, Sodexo, has made headlines for quality issues. The company has been responsible for listeria outbreaks and even the discovery <laughs> of horse meat in its food supply. Horse meat, okay. What might shock you, though, is that Sodexo actually operates private prisons and immigrant detention centers around the world. Of course they do. Up until 2001, Sodexo owned a large stake in Correction Corporation of America, the mm-hmm. notorious prison operator that now controls nearly half of the U.S. Prison, private prisons. After pressure from students at Pomona College to drop the university's contracts with Sodexo, the company sold its CCA shares. But Sodexo has only expanded the number of detention centers it operates abroad. Yeah. Sodexo manages 122 prisons in at least eight countries, including Belgium, Chile, France, Italy, the Netherlands, and Spain, as well as prisons and immigrant detention centers clustered in the United States. Okay, they got their hands in everything, these motherfuckers. So not only are they paying their workers at Loyola, a ridiculously low wage and in yeah. horrible working conditions, yeah. they also operate prisons. And when you talk about prison food, right, like they obviously are operating these prisons, but they're definitely operating the culinary parts of these prisons. When you talk about prison food, some of the, um, I mean, some of the things that like 
the the EU like the the sort of broader international community has yeah says uh, it's not fit for human consumption <clears throat> right it's it's a punishment a lot of times that some of the food that prisoners are fed particularly when they're in solitary um, and I could go into this at length and I won't but like look it up um, there's like this mush thing and things have mold on it and it's intentionally right bad mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. given to prisoners as punishment that's sometimes inedible which is actually like a human rights violation and it's uh, against the constitution yes it's cruel and unusual punishment correct so that's Sodexo that the, the p- people are striking against as they should and I'm very happy that at least the Democratic Party is not going to cross picket lines. And also, wouldn't that be fucking crazy if they did? Can like, can we step back for a second and just yeah. talk about striking in general? Yes. Striking. It's my favorite thing. Well, it, it's not something to be taken lightly. Nope. It's not something you do on a whim because for a litany of reasons. First of all, there's no guarantee it's ever going to work. Nope. Secondly, there's no guarantee certainly that your employer. Uh, it depends a little bit on what, what state you're in, but is not going to retaliate or just simply fire you, replace yep. you with a scab. Yep. And if you are doing okay, you're not going to strike. Right. So you are putting so much on the line. Now, we can talk about the old days where going on strike, you put your life in danger. Right. But like... And, and how, I think too, looking at it from a lens of an international perspective... <laughs> How strikes are so much different in other countries yeah. than they are here. Yeah, totally. Um, because workers have protections mm-hmm. so that they can strike, so that strikes are effective and meaningful. Um, they're also a little, they're also a little crazier and too. violent. And yeah. I mean, that's the history of strikes, right? Strikes yeah. have sort of always had this. In the United States, have become very sanitized. In, in, in France, when people strike, yes. it's fucking chaos. And it's usually a general strike, and mm-hmm. it's everybody yeah. because everybody is a worker, Which, and they understand yeah. that everybody's a worker. Mm-hmm. And so, if some section of workers go on strike, everybody goes on strike, mm-hmm. and it's very, very effective. Yeah, like incredibly effective. Yeah. And here it's sort of sanitized and it's like, well, there's a teacher's strike. So we're going to go stand outside the school and then parents complain. And then, you know, you get like a ration of what you're asking for, which is like barely livable. And then I, I but you let, know. back to the point, though, like a teacher strike. Yeah, that's certainly, uh, you know, all the things you said. But even more, if you're one of these contractors and you're barely subsisting on your sub living wage, mm-hmm. like you are then giving that up. Yeah. And hoping for the best because yep. you're that desperate. Yep. Um, so is they're never to be taken lightly. No. Really, like, they, <clears throat> they really are something that should be taken with the gravest of, like, this is a serious thing these people are doing. They are, there is something so wrong with what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. That they're willing to give up their jobs, give up their wages, um, put their lives on the line, really, for better treatment. And we should all really respect that. And, and it's hard to get everybody on the same page to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of people like, I'm not going to, I can't risk I my, can't. I got to feed my kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have rent. What am I going to do about my phone and my car? And like, I have to, and pay we could go bills. deeper into the history of the Teamsters and people get strong arms sometimes if they didn't necessarily want to. But, you know, for the most part, like it takes an incredible amount of unity and organization and, and it's such an indicator that something is seriously, seriously wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at this level. When it's like culinary workers at a university, like what is happening there that you got a bunch of kids and people, right, working that like something is so wrong that they were all just like, I'll give up my wages until they fix it. 
that's a serious thing and it should be taken seriously and I don't know about you but like in my life never ever will I ever cross a picket line no not ever. I, no of course not and you know um we would not have you know what if Elizabeth Warden hadn't have said anything I don't know we ever would have even known yeah that's right. Like the the debate would have happened, and like okay, oh, maybe it would have appeared in in like you know J- Jacobin or something like you know very under the radar. Like Vice would have come out with something two months later, but like we w- how would we have known? She's got a crack campaign staff, man. I mean, somebody figured it out. Somebody found out. They brought it to her, and she was like, "Fuck no, yeah, no, we're not doing that." Yeah, holy I, shit. I mean, just a right? brief aside. I know Elizabeth Warren has been slipping in the polls the last few weeks but like her organization is top notch yes. and she's going to be there till the very end I would say I would hope that she is the candidate well yes <laughs> and, and Megan Rapinoe just um, endorsed her oh that's wonderful it is that's lovely they had a lovely little conversation that of course they filmed and um, yeah sports person of the year by the way as it should be um, I, I could get into Warren stuff but I, I don't want to get off track because I know you got a lot to, to get to we'll 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 get to the the Democratic candidates another time. I I don't know that I feel like getting into that right now. Okay, but I do love her, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm I think it's telling that she's the first person to be like, nope, not doing it. I'll miss the debate. I'm not crossing the fucking picket line. Yeah, I mean, and she comes from those people. She comes from people that were in unions, mm-hmm. and unions used to mean something more than they mean today. And I, you know, watched that movie, The Irishman, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, <laughs> say what you want about Jimmy Hoffa. He uh, <laughs> he did a lot for labor. Yeah. I mean, watching it, you really like this was a guy that everybody knew and loved. And the message he's giving is essentially the exact same message that Elizabeth Warren is giving about workers rights and unity. And and it's it's pretty incredible. I, the film itself, I won't get into, but um Listening to some of those speeches that he gave was like, oh shit, where yeah. did that go? Now, Hoffa used some questionable methods that oh, know, no, he was a don't murderer, fly anymore. Right? I mean, he was a murderer, yeah. for sure. Um, and mobbed up and, you know, all this stuff. He's not like some sort of folk hero, but certainly um, what he did for the labor movement is not to be undersold. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to point out that the company that like they're protesting is garbage really bad um (coughs) all right what do we got next okay let's see do we want to talk about abortion or cops or where do you want to go next your call chef's choice chef's choice let's do oh i know neither while we're on electoral politics a little bit i want to talk about bernie (laughs) okay and this guy this fucking guy Pronounce his name for me again. Senk Iger. Senk Iger. So can you give us a little bit of background about this guy? Like, where does he come from and what do you know about him? Do you know? Do you have that? Or do yeah, you uh, we, we were we lived in Miami at the same time. Uh, we didn't I didn't know him personally, but <laughs> right. like I, I have read a lot of the stuff he wrote when he lived in Miami and he was one of these guys. He was kind of a schlubby, you know, overweight dude and he would go to the beach and see all the you know ridiculously hot like supermodel types walking on the beach and they weren't interested in him and that made him very angry at women <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and then he started this show the young turks and then he start well yeah well, so before that i guess he was a republican 
And um, then... Sure, he kind of evolved, I guess. So, according to him... Which uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren did too, but they don't forgive her for it. They forgive him for it. You know, the whole Young Turks, Bernie crew type of people. Right. So, he started this this sort of, I guess he calls it like a progressive talk show, right? The sort of counter to Rush Limbaugh, I guess. Um, The Young Turks. Which which knowing him, I think he did purely because there was a a niche there and an opening. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And even after he so-called like, uh, you know, progressed and became more progressive, um, is a misogynist and a racist and an anti-Semite and um, a really bad guy. Uh, He was doing this, like there's, this Twitter thread that's amazing that just has like all the receipts, right? Just like clip after clip after clip after clip of shit he has said since he supposedly is a progressive guy. Um, And uh, things like, remember when the Harvard um, scandal came out with the sports team that had like the ratings of, um, there was like this Google spreadsheet, Google Doc thing that was like rating all the, the new young freshman women wasn't that the facebook thing i don't think it's facebook it's google docs but it's like um there was this google doc that was like circulated around like i think it was like the the, the cross team and it was like rating all of these all the women who came in oh on yeah, a scale yeah. Of I one remember to that. ten I and then like that. what positions sexually they would like to have them in and like what they think they would be into and isn't, isn't it and, funny because we put it in a spreadsheet haha yeah. right and so it came out and the the team got uh, sanctioned by the university because it was a public document. Anyone could have seen it. Like a, a journalist literally just like found it and was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had this discussion on his show and he's just like, this is ridiculous. They're not guilty. Like, this is so stupid. This is how people talk. This is how people have always talked. I don't Locker see what talk. the problem is. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is the young Turks already. This is not yes. like when he was some no, no, no. pseudo Republican. No, guy. no, no. This is after he's progressed. Right. And he's <laughs> yeah. this person now that's, we're supposed to think is a progressive liberal woke dude or whatever. Um, he talks about women as though he said something like women are sort of inferior creatures because they don't want sex enough to keep, um, the, our harmonious and productive society, um, that, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. That, like, um, he has these two women. Um, I don't know if they're just, like, co-eds on his show at one point. I watched this, and he's, like, asking them these really inappropriate questions about, like, have they ever experimented when they were in college with other women? And they were like, well, I haven't. But he what was, you, like, was how he many... trying to do a Howard Stern thing? I don't understand. Yeah, I guess. Like, they were. what, where, what was the purpose of them the, being the, on so the, the show? The po- I don't know. I just saw the clip. But the the point of his questioning was <coughs> so like how many of your friends kissed girls and like experimented with girls and so like he was just trying to get off on no and then he's like okay and how many of your male friends did this and then him and his like male co-hosts go on about how disgusting it would be and they would never experiment but women are all bisexual and then he's like basically what I'm saying is if your daughter goes to college she's bisexual or she's a lesbian and like I don't know how you feel about that as parents but like Men can't really, like, most men are just, like, not gay and would never do that. It was just this really bizarre, like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Okay. So that's who this guy is. Now, hold on. <clears throat> to be fair, he has given lip service, at least, to, like, yeah, I said some shitty things back in the day. I don't 
believe it anymore, but he doesn't really go in depth about it. Yeah, but some of this is like a couple years ago. Sure. Two, three years ago. And you're like, let's... Uh, okay, so like denounce it? Or like, what is your opinion now? Like, I don't... It's It doesn't... If this was 20 years ago before he was, he was like a Republican or whatever, like, okay, you get to evolve. That's fine. But then I need you to come out and say like, this specific thing that I said was really harmful and this is why and I'm taking accountability like I'm holding myself accountable for the things I've said in the past mm-hmm. and he's not doing that he's no. saying don't worry about it I'm different shut up yeah we've moved on leave it alone and that's yeah. what all his supporters are saying because I mean we should say that the reason so much of this is coming up now is he is now running for Congress that's right and would you like to talk about what seat he's running for <laughs> God, we did we get really heavy into the Katie I don't Hill think stuff? We did. Like I, the more I just hear about it, the more I I just wish she wouldn't have resigned. Yeah, but I get why she did. I I mean, yeah, I get why she so did. Katie and Hill, it's her business. If you don't remember, was <coughs> the um, Democratic Congresswoman um, who her shitty, abusive ex husband. Um, released some nude photos of her with a female staffer. Well, hold on. Let's back up. It's important to note that Katie Hill is ethically non-monogamous. Yes. Or at least she was with her... Husband. Ex-husband. Correct. Right? So her and her ex-husband had an open marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, she started... I think we did talk about it. She started... A little bit. Um... She had a relationship with a female staffer, which is not appropriate, but also was completely consensual. Um, and her shitty fucking husband got jealous, and when they got were going through a divorce, Revenge. decided to leak photos of her and female staffer that she claims she did not know, like didn't know at the time were being taken, didn't know existed, um, and he leaked them to the media. To right-wing blogs. Mm-hmm. Not, not Who then published them. So it's this is a case of revenge porn. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is supposed to be illegal. Especially in California. It yeah. is illegal. So she may sue at some point, yeah. I guess. Uh, so that happened um, because the relationship was with a staffer, I think, is partly why <clears throat> she resigned. Well, they opened an ethics investigation. Yeah. And she would have been censored maybe or something. Yeah. Um, but like just the, the irony in this day and age that you're really going to go after a fucking congresswoman for having an affair with a staffer. It's not even an affair. God. Like it's not even an affair. He knew about it. He was taking pictures. They were in like, well, I'm not calling it an affair in terms of her marriage. I'm calling it an affair in terms of it violates house rules. Yeah. Because it's a staffer and like agreed. And the staffer, however, is like, no, no, no. No ethics, not no like not participating. Do not want this. Mm-hmm. This was a completely consensual relationship with no fucking power dynamics. She wasn't even a fucking congresswoman when it started. I was just a staffer on her campaign. Like there was no, there was like the power dynamics here are just not the same. So it, it would be like anyway. if you decided to God. run for Congress one day, yeah. which you should. Um, <laughs> and then I was uh, a campaign or a, a staffer for you, which I would be. Obviously. Um, and then, like, they went after you for us having a relationship. Right. Like, te- technically. Technically, that would be against. But I guess if we were in a relationship prior to me running yeah, for Congress, which they yeah. weren't. But 
Anyway, according to the staffer and according to Katie Hill, that was not at all the situation. It was no. much more like what you just described. Sure. So anyway, she resigned, um, very unfortunately. Yeah. And this motherfucker is running for her seat. Oh, Jesus. Now, um, I, I don't think he's running unopposed. He's the he's biggest not. name. There is a woman named Christy Hill who is running. And I hope she beats the living crap out of him. So do I. As a Democrat. But of course, if Sank is the fucking nominee, you got to fucking vote for him against a Republican. But that doesn't have to be the case. Right. And guess who endorsed him? Well, this is where it gets interesting, right? Yep. Uh, at least Bernie and Ro Khanna, uh, that I know of. What, was there anybody else that endorsed him? Not that I'm aware of. But Bernie Sanders endorsed this motherfucker. And the reason for that, that we understand, is that he endorsed Bernie and so Bernie just has this sort of reciprocal endorsement sort of deal where like if you endorse me, I'll endorse you. So he so Sank endorsed Bernie and then Bernie's campaign endorsed him. Well, you're, and giving, then, you're giving Bernie the benefit of the doubt that he didn't know Sank's backstory. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he did or didn't. But I, I bet he people does. People lost their fucking minds. Yeah, yeah. And there came all these women who were like, look at all this fucking shit. Look at this that he said and not 20 years ago, like last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so Sink came out and said, I'm no longer accepting um, endorsements. And then Bernie rescinded his endorsement. And that was just like today or yesterday okay. that that happened. So, well, it was it was like Sink's at Sink's request because he didn't because ostensibly he didn't want this to be a, a headache for Bernie, uh, which it won't be after a couple days, I guess, because people forget about it. But like. Well, once you rescind the endorsement, people were very upset, particularly people in that district. Um, well, that's a good sign, right? Because that, like, that, no. that means they're not yeah. interested in yes. having this guy yes. represent them. I think that's true. And, and you know, I, I almost think um, in some ways it's better that Bernie put him into the national spotlight because I don't know that we would have had this much coverage of what kind of a garbage person he is without something like a Bernie endorsement. Right. Right. Um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Sank in that, like, we knew about this. Yeah, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we knew his yeah. backstory. We knew his shtick. Remember, his whole shtick was during 2016 that Hillary Clinton is so awful and she's so terrible and we'd almost be better off with Trump, which a lot of those people, you know, Bernie actually hired for his campaign staff. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. But, like, and it was twinged with a little sexism as much uh, much of the Hillary criticism is and everything he says mostly is yeah and so that's kind of how he really he was one of these really strident like after the fucking primary was over <laughs> like how horrible Hillary Clinton was yeah not helping right not helping right uh, and now he's coming around and like like these people do and they're like well now I'm part of the party nominate me right and it's like it, w- it would be bad enough if he didn't say and do all the sexist shit and he just did the really divisive like anti-Hillary stuff. Right. Like that would be one thing. Right. Right. But like all that on top of being a horrible sexist misogynist pig. And I just don't see the like progression. I don't see where like because he thinks it's all a joke. Everything he says about women and talks about women, like, it's just like... Oh, I'm just joking. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Women are just silly little creatures that aren't really people. And I don't know how how he has progressed in a way that has made him believe that that's not true. You can say all you want, like, no, I respect women and I love women and I think women are great and they're actually people. But, like, 
it's so just offhand for him to just dismiss anything that has to do with women that like I just where's the what did you do what work did you do mm-hmm. to make you unbelieve the things that you've been saying for the last 20 years like, just having what, having a, a popular radio and TV show is not enough it's not the answer well and on that popular radio and tv show is when you're saying some of this shit Mm -hmm. so like or calling yourself a progressive right you can say all you want that you are a certain thing that doesn't make that thing true no i will judge you by your words and actions and not by what you say or claim to be so anyway that's you know i'm trying not to shit on bernie too much but I <laughs> yeah, because there's just still a chance he'll be the nominee, right? Right, but like this kind of stuff is, you know, it's really hard for me as a woman and as a feminist to watch him endorse somebody like this and be like, I'm sure he didn't know, or like before you endorse people, don't you look at who they are, or like I don't know, I just. He just loved his Hillary shit before, so it's just like, oh yeah, thank. Bernie is very, very loyal to the people who are loyal to him, even if they have a bad rap and it's gonna maybe hurt him with the broader uh, electorate. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know, I don't understand that. I I understand loyalty, but I don't understand it in terms of. I don't in politics. Like, there's there's no reason to be loyal to people who don't share your values, even if they endorse you. Well, the problem is they do share his values. Like, when, when Bernie, between the California primary and the Democratic National Convention, Bernie and his people burned the world down. Yeah. And that hurt. It had an effect. And he doesn't acknowledge it, and because he went and you know he went and campaigned for her and said sort all of, the right things, sort of, um, sort of lukewarm bullshit. Yeah, well, he he got out there and did it, but the point was the damage had been done, right? Yeah. So, but he doesn't acknowledge any of that. And then, like, if you want to distance yourself from that and talk about your surrogates who literally went on record and said we'd be better off with Donald Trump. And or you should vote for Jill Stein, and some of them did. And then he goes and hires them all for his campaign staff, yeah, because um, he thinks that's effective. He thinks, like, here's the thing, right? Again, with Bernie, and we've said it a million times: if you want to run as an independent, you know, then do it. Do it. I mean, yeah, it, it'll suck, and and it could cost us the election, but you'll be there'll be its honesty to it. But stop ripping the Democratic Party apart. And then running to try to be the nominee. Like, you can't have it both ways, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the thing they keep doing. Everything about this sucks. This party sucks and it's corrupted. It's not fair. We want to run it. We want to be at the top of it. Right. Now, there's there's a conversation to be had about how... Okay, I'd like to talk about Julian Castro for a minute while we're on this topic. Because I think he's doing a really effective thing that I appreciate. Which is, he is not trying to tear the Democratic Party apart, right? He didn't make the debates. And he's like, no, I don't care about that. I mean, it would be nice to be there, but what I would like to do is talk about a larger conversation about how the Democratic primary is run. Mm-hmm. And about how we shouldn't have Iowa and New Hampshire first. Because they <laughs> right are not on, representative of the diversity of this country. And it is a nullifying and toxic uh, way to run a primary. And I would argue that we shouldn't have it this way. And I would like to change the way we run the primary. Now that is a, that pisses off people in Iowa and New Hampshire 
I don't care about that. But it is not saying the Democratic Party's out to get me and it's a corrupt process. It is saying I disagree with the way that this is being run for these reasons and I think we should change it. It's mm. not a you're after me and this is a corrupt system that's trying to get me and and it's not doing that, right? It's a very different way of criticizing the party that you're running for and are a part of. What Julian Castro is doing is saying this is not a good system. Right? The way we do it should be different. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. I don't want to be given anything. I don't want to be any of that. But I think we should really seriously take a look at why Iowa and New Hampshire are the first two and how impactful that is and also like how non-representative um, that is. Like right. That is a positive thing to say during this process. While we're doing it, we may as well talk about it, right? But it's not the same as what Bernie is doing, which is just saying... <coughs> The DNC's out to get me, and I'm I'm a victim, and you should go after them, and we hate them, right? We hate the Democratic Party. Right. And we're running as Democrats. Yeah. Well, Castro's just like, it's this system's stupid. Mm-hmm. We should fix it. I mean, this has been your rallying cry for fucking years, right? Yeah, and I think it's finally starting to sink in, because now you have somebody like Pete Buttigieg, yeah. who's, who's <laughs> taken up a big part of the spotlight... And once we're past New Hampshire, no one, no one's going to give a shit about Pete Buttigieg. Correct. Like he, he's doing one of these things that, like, if I catch fire and win these two states, everybody will notice me, and then. But that's but not going to happen how it works because in South Carolina. No, no. In the in the in the big key states, the southern states. Pete Buttigieg has a problem with black folks. Yes. And that's just not going to go away. And he's not making it any better. Um, so does Elizabeth Warren. She's she's made some some headway or trying to make headway. I but... think there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I, I'd say there is a difference. I think Pete Buttigieg, black people have a problem with him. Right? There is a direct, like, adversarial relationship mm-hmm. to Pete Buttigieg, whereas Elizabeth Warren is more of like an unknown quantity and a sort of like wait and see. I don't see a lot of, particularly. There's that, some like, there's some criticism from Massachusetts that uh, she really took black voters for granted. She took the black vote for granted. She could have been more, and that, a lot I mean, of that's probably true. Um, right, but that can be said about every Democrat everywhere. Yes, that's what we do: is we take advantage of black voters. Yeah. However, some of the like top 100 um, black women, <laughs> sort of influencers or whatever that you would talk about in terms of politics and policy and stuff, mm-hmm. endorsed her. Yeah. And wrote a really compelling message and made videos. And, like, black women are behind Elizabeth Warren, from what I can tell. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. A very powerful wedge of black women have endorsed Elizabeth Warren. And most of them said, I didn't plan on endorsing anyone. Okay. But she got me. Good. Right? Well, she's going to have to keep that momentum going because she's, she's going to need a lot more. Um, because right now they're they're sticking with Biden. I I don't want to get into Democratic horse race. Right. That's the last thing I want to talk Me about. Really. Me either. But I can't stand Mayor Pete. Ugh. Anyway. Okay. You want to move on? Yeah, please. Okay. We only have a few minutes left before the break. So let's see. Um, I don't know that either of my two topics are going to be brief enough for six minutes. Um. I guess we can do this Tennessee cop. I don't know if it's going to be brief enough. We may go over, but that's cops. fine. Um, what are the cops up to now? This is the headline. 
A Tennessee cop accused of searching a black man's anus on the side of the road is now facing 44 criminal charges. Uh-huh. <sighs> At least he's facing charges, I suppose. Why it took this long, we're going to get into. Hmm. This is from a Vice article, quote, a young Tennessee cop already facing a barrage of disturbing allegations, including forcing a woman he arrested to be baptized and probing a black man's anus on the side of the road, was just indicted on 44 criminal counts. (laughs) Hamilton County Sheriff's Deputy Daniel Wilkie, 26 years old, by the way, was arrested on Tuesday on charges including rape, sexual battery, false imprisonment, extortion, stalking, assault, oppression, and reckless driving. (laughs) Reckless driving is what's really going to do him in. He's on paid administrative leave. Yeah, oh, good, good. Good. Uh, (coughs) Since July, when dash camera footage revealed he and his partner had beaten a black man on the side of the road before conducting an invasive body cavity search. Mm. So I'm going to describe the two things. I'm not going to read what the fucking cops have to say about it. Number one, forced baptism. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's right out of uh, a Boardwalk Empire, what uh, Michael Shannon's character did. Madness. Okay. Wilkie was indicted on charges of extortion and false imprisonment relating to the February arrest of Shandell Riley. She's currently suing Hamilton County, Wilkie, and his partner, Deputy Jacob Goforth, alleging (sighs) that her civil rights were violated. Riley was on her way to visit her child and had just pulled into the driveway when Wilkie initiated a traffic stop. Wilkie told Riley he pulled her over because he believed she had methamphetamine. Okay, tell me how you are driving a car. How do you look at a car that is pulling into a driveway and determine that the person inside of the car driving it has methamphetamine? Yeah, here's here's the thing, uh, boys and girls. When when cops do things like stop you and fuck with you... uh, and, and initiate searches, they have to have probable cause. Now, now, what that means is they have to have a reason to pull you over first. Yeah. Now, now, cops can get away with some pretty flimsy probable oh, cause. We had a broken taillight. Yeah, but but you need you something. You didn't use your turn signal. Right. You you whatever. Right. Bullshit. 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 Traffic stops that can result in life altering and and sometimes fatal outcomes mm-hmm. can come from flimsy shit. This is even over the line of that. I don't know how you can tell that someone driving a car has methamphetamines on them. I'll continue. <clears throat> he ordered her out of the car and allegedly began conducting an invasive body search. He asked her to take off her bra and shake her bra and shirt out. When he asked her whether she had anything illegal in the car, she mentioned that she had a roach in her pack of cigarettes but no other drugs. It is at that point that Wyatt (coughs) Wilkie allegedly called her a piece of shit, according to the lawsuit, and asked her whether she had been saved by Jesus Christ. Wilkie allegedly told Riley that he felt, quote, the spirit compelling him to baptize her and asked that she go into the home and retrieve some towels. If she would agree to be baptized, he would let her off with a criminal citation for the marijuana, according to the lawsuit. Not even get off the hook for doing this bullshit, just only get a citation. Which, what else? There was no other drugs found in the car. Of course So not. what else was he going to charge her with? Right? Uh, less than three Resisting grams of marijuana. And, okay. Yeah. Wilkie yeah. allegedly asked that Riley get in her car and follow him to a nearby lake, which Riley felt she could not refuse. Yeah. Then he stripped Damn down right. to his underwear and led her into the water so that he could baptize her. Can, hold on. Can I jump in a second? Sure. I'm not a religious man. No. 
I, I don't know what denomination this guy is. Sounds like Baptist. But, like, can you be baptized just by a cop? Um, If you're a Mormon, you can baptize people. Uh, I don't know about other Mormon. denominations. <laughs> I think there's some evangelical traditions that allow anyone to be baptized, but okay. I don't know. Okay. No, I'm just curious. It's I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe he's a pastor at his church. Who fucking knows? Right. That wouldn't um, surprise me, certainly. Quote, plaintiff was shivering uncontrollably and felt horribly violated, according to the lawsuit. The other deputy present, Goforth, did not participate in the baptism, <sighs> nor did he intervene. Go forth and commit crimes. Next, roadside body cavity search. Jesus. Here's another good one. Wilkie was charged Tuesday with rape and obstruction for a July 10th incident that's not described in detail in the indictment. However, the date of that incident and unlawful arrest matches the date in a lawsuit filed by Flores over the alleged roadside beating and body cavity search of a black man, James Mitchell. Hope that county enjoys paying out the seven figures to this guy now. Hope it was worth it to have Officer Psycho so, on the force. this guy, right, is being charged with 44 counts. Mm-hmm. He has four loose lawsuits against him, and only just this week was he suspended and on paid administrative leave. <laughs> sure, no, everything was fine before and that. And he's been arrested. But... Why is there this many things that you're getting sued for and this many, like, charges of atrocious behavior and he was still on the fucking beat? Because we know, because we know just from down the road in Aurora <clears throat> that uh, counties and police departments would rather pay out millions and millions and millions yep. to victims of police brutality than to kick bad cops off the force. Yep. So get this. Wilkie pulled over Mitchell for over-tinted windows and because he smelled of marijuana. How do you know that he smelled of marijuana? <laughs> he That's smelled, why he pulled him over. He smelled from outside so of the strongly car, of marijuana that it wafted, that it wafted down f- the street and into your cruiser. Yes. And over-tinted that's, windows. That's a okay, lot so of marijuana. over-tinted windows is the real reason he pulled him over. I've been this is what I'm saying, this. right? Sure. Mm-hmm. This is this little <laughs> bullshit thing, and this is what it resulted in. Mm-hmm. Wilkie ordered Mitchell and his girlfriend out of the vehicle. He handcuffed Mitchell and began searching him, at which point Mitchell told Wilkie he had an untreated and large hernia and that the search was causing him pain. Wilkie and Brewer then beat Mitchell with fists, knees, and feet, according to the lawsuit. They then removed his pants, bent him over the hood of the car, and conducted an anal cavity search without consent on the side of the road. Now, was this all on body camera dash cam? God, these guys. The female passenger, Mitchell's girlfriend was forced to watch, according to the lawsuit, and feared that she would be dealt the same punishment or that he would be killed. Like, I don't know why you need to say that. She didn't do anything because it's fucking cops. What, she, what, what is she supposed to do? Yeah. Instead, he was transported to jail on multiple charges, including resisting arrest, because that's always a charge that you can make. Sure. Made bail, went to the hospital for tears in his anus, contusions, and an aggravated hernia, which later required surgery. Okay, one the second. The charges against him were dismissed. One second. What if he had not been able to make bail? Correct. Would we have ever heard about this? Correct. He could be sitting in jail today. Would he, what would have happened to his hernia? Would that have caused irreparable damage and possibly death? The charges were dismissed. Of course they were. Of course they were. So let's just get him out of here. Hope he he doesn't say anything. So anyway, then there's a full indictment uh, that Vice uploaded that's like all upside down and inside out because who the fuck is running this place but anyway so that's 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 what's happening in Tennessee um the fact that this guy was allowed to remain on the force after even one of these allegations was made after even one of these lawsuits was filed much less four of well, them well that's always the case right when 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 it comes to light that one of these awful cops has killed somebody or done horrible shit like this 
Like, then we see this huge rap sheet of all these complaints and violations. Right. And cops dismiss it as every cop has a roster full of complaints. It's just how it is. Like, no, it's no, not. No, it's not. Uh, I've known cops. Yes. <laughs> I grew up with them. Yeah. Right? I mean, I fucking, all cops are bastards, but I grew up with cops and like, not all of them were like that. Most cops, decent cops actually don't have a lot of complaints. They really don't. They don't forcibly baptize people. What the fuck is that? Like, that's a gross violation, not just, like, kidnapping and extortion or whatever they charged him with, but also, like, a violation of her First Amendment rights and, sure. like, so many things. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, it's insane. It's fucking crazy. And this, this guy's nuts. You know his fucking captain heard about that and was like, oh, shit, but didn't do anything. Oh, or laughed it off. Or just was like, what is that, man? You can't do that. And he's like, yeah, well, I was felt by the spirit. <laughs> All right. Well... Religious freedom, I guess. Oh, Jesus fucking right? Christ. And don't be like, and don't just shrug it off and say, oh, Tennessee. Like, no. shit like that. Maybe not as crazy as the Maybe baptism not thing. baptism, but the fucking anal search, absolutely. Oh, yeah, the unlawful searches. Every major city, And you charge town. him with, this is like the maybe the one thing that I think we should focus on in terms of criminal justice reform that is the smallest thing but could make the largest difference is you cannot charge someone with resisting arrest without an underlying cause of arrest. <laughs> right? Right? Fucking A. That should just be basic... Common sense. Right? And it's not. No. The number of cases that you see where the sole charge is resisting arrest, and there is no other charge. And the judge doesn't even want to hear, nope. like, that there was no probable cause for an arrest in the first place. Why? Or detention arrest place. for what? What was he resisting arrest for? What is the underlying cause for arrest. No, it doesn't Nothing. matter. If the cop says you're and under you arrest... you can't charge and you, someone and you, with... Arre- you can't arrest someone for having over-tinted windows. That is a fine. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's a, it's resisting a arrest violation is... Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a muni charge, civil violation, it's a fine. You don't arrest someone for that. So, resisting arrest for fucking what? And, by the way, you know what consists of resistance? If a cop says you're under arrest and you say what for, they can yes. call that resistance. Correct. It is so broad. If you if you say, I'm going to walk away now because I'm not under arrest and you are not legally allowed to detain me, right? There's like cases all over the place of like a dude at work picking up trash mm-hmm. outside of an apartment building, right? Mm-hmm. Cops come over. I need you to prove that you live here. I need to see your ID. I need you to prove that you live here. That is not legal. There's no requirement for that person to do that. Nope. And they harassed him and then charged him with resisting arrest and arrest him, right? For nothing. For what? Working outside my apartment building picking up trash. Yeah. What is the underlying cause, right? And that it happens so often. So often. Because it, when you get pissed off, when cops get pissed off, that's the thing they can do. Yeah. They, is they can say, overdrive. well, resisting arrest. Yep. They start fucking with you until you... Advocate for yourself, and then right. then it's all kinds of things. Yep, it just opens the. If you refuse to answer questions, mm-hmm. if you walk away, if you don't sit down in the way they want you to sit down with the immediacy that they want you to do it, there you can literally like breathe wrong, and you mm-hmm. can get charged with resisting arrest, and that's an arrestable charge, yep. and that is a thing that I think that we got to figure. That if there was one thing that I would fix, it's a felony. First too. and foremost, is like we got to make this different. Because it's it's so it's every time. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back talk about some stuff. I will give you a little bit of uh, impeachment update stuff, and uh, I'm sure Rachel's got more to talk about. I so do. don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Hello and welcome back to Reverend Testimony. Uh, what else you got, Rachel? Okay. So, I have a really horrifyingly awful discussion about women's bodies, because of course I do. Okay. Headline. A, quote, abortion reversal study left women hemorrhaging. State lawmakers still support doctors telling patients about treatments. It starts by saying, quote, There's no conclusive evidence that it's possible to reverse a medication-induced abortion. Because, of course, <coughs> there isn't conclusive evidence. But six states have laws on the books that require abortion providers to suggest that it might be an option anyway. Now a study published last week is raising questions about the dangers of even attempting an abortion reversal. <laughs> the study, which sought to determine whether medication abortions can be halted with a hormone, instead ended early after three women started hemorrhaging so, hemorrhaging so much blood they went to the ER. Jesus, they're going to kill somebody. Yep. Just for the study part of this. <clears throat> yeah, yes. Despite these findings, multiple state legislators are standing by laws mandating providers to tell patients about the possibility of reversing their abortions. It's not a thing. Vice News reached out to dozens of lawmakers who had supported that kind of legislation in Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Utah. Sounds about white. Yep. They also reached out to legislators in North Dakota and Oklahoma where court challenges have temporarily blocked similar laws from going into effect. Hmm. Just five of those legislators replied to inquiries. Four were adamant that there's no need to amend the laws. Quote, <clears throat> this is amazing. It's up to the woman to decide the wi- to decide if she wishes to take the risk. Oh, now it's up to the woman to decide. Yes. That's so, new and different. So for me, you know, it's informed consent. That <laughs> Oklahoma State Senator Julie Daniels, who sponsored a law requiring abortion clinics to post a sign about abortion reversal with contact details for an anti-abortion group. Daniels, a Republican, need we say, mm-hmm. quote, has no regrets at all for authoring this bill. Quote, there are many procedures that could have harmful effects, she said. I think it's troubling if, that if we're ever attempting to save a child that these things become so important. But for other medical procedures, we take it as part of the risk that something might not go correctly. But for those of us who propose trying to save the child, we appear to be held to a higher standard of perfection. No joke. You want to unpack that? I mean, can we just stop right there for a minute? Yeah. There is informed <laughs> consent, right? Um, That's a thing. Yes, but informed consent means informed. It means, okay, we, you're taking we know part, all of the risks. You're taking part of this study. Here are all the possible risks, all the possible benefits, if there are any. And you're signing off with acknowledgement of... Well, we're not even talking about the study. We're talking about mandating that abortion clinics tell people that they can reverse their abortion currently without the studies having been concluded yet. She's arguing that telling women that it could be possible to reverse their abortions is mandated, even though we don't know if that's true. We don't know the risks. So it's not informed. We don't even know if it's because we aren't even conform. We're no one's informed at this point. Mm So that's not a, that's not informed consent. You cannot tell women that something is possible when we don't even know if it is, and we don't know what the risks are. Yeah, but there appear to be plenty of risks. Yep. Typically, in a medication abortion, a patient would end her pregnancy by taking doses of two drugs, mm-hmm. mifestoprone and misoprostol, okay. several hours apart. I have 
taken part in many of these in uh, my friends' lives who have chosen to do medical abortions versus surgical abortions. Mm -hmm. And so we go to the clinic, they do the whole thing, then they give them this pill, Mm -hmm. and then they send them home with this other pill that you Mm -hmm. have to take. And then a few hours later, um, there's basically like a miscarriage occurs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not fun. Uh, (laughs) I would imagine not. Um, There is, you know, loss of blood and all kinds of things happen, but it's very safe. It's just sort of like um, a miscarriage or a heavy period. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, it's it's not fun, but it's certainly safe. Um, if a woman regrets her abortion after taking mefestoprone, proponents of abortion reversal say she can skip the misoprostol and instead try progesterone. While those supporters have published a few studies that they say show that progesterone can work, abortion reversal is not recommended by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Oh, who cares what they say, right? Oh. People who are literally experts. Who cares cares what the Bar Association says about unqualified judges? We don't care about experts anymore. Experts have also said that one of those studies was very poorly designed. Another involved just seven patients. That's a a, a small sample size. That's a great sample size. (laughs) The best. Seven people. Yeah. Researchers from the University of California, Davis, plan to enroll 40 women in what's thought to be the first randomized double-blind study on abortion reversal. The women who participated in the UC Davis study took mefestoprone before receiving either progesterone or a placebo. That's a weird cohort. So all you're, you're, of hold them on, hold were on ultimately set second. to undergo a surgical abortion, just so we're clear. So all of them were eventually going to have a surgical abortion, right? Like these were not like okay, oh, but no, 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 hold random, on. Let, no, I yeah. need to ask some questions because okay. it's not clear. These are women who they're going to undergo this experiment with the medic medicate induced abortion mm-hmm. and ostensibly if it works to where their pregnancy is still viable they are then going they then have time to undergo a surgical abortion correct okay all right and if it right doesn't work they still are going to undergo a, a surgical abortion just to make sure that so that we can find out right and so they're gonna <clears throat> they're gonna do the DNC to like make sure that I, everything I, is. Clean. I don't know who wrote this research proposal, but it sounds like a goddamn mess. Well, it and is. I don't know what IRB approved it. Uh, it's through UC Davis. Yep. We could go online and probably well, find the. I can tell you that it's not happening anymore, and here's why. Oh, they they cut the it study off. only enrolled twelve women before three of the patients started bleeding so severely that they had to be taken to the R and ambulances. Okay, so they one woman needed a blood transfusion. Um, of those women, one had taken progesterone. So the study concluded that patients who take mefestoprone on its own, regardless of whether they use progesterone afterward, could be at high risk of significant hemorrhage. Sure, yeah. There's a reason they give you two pills. Yep. Quote, we don't have any evidence that disproves the possibility that abortion reversal exists, the study's leader told Vice. But I do have evidence that it's not completing, that not completing the regimen as it's designed is dangerous. I would like to talk about the UC Davis uh, Institutional Review Board and right? how the study got green lighted. I'm sure they got a huge grant yep. from some private uh, anti-abortion assholes. Yep. Uh, but for this to like, look, it is. I've one worked quarter in, of the women were hospitalized. I've worked in uh, academic research, university-sponsored academic research for a long time. 
and you're talking about a huge major research university like UC Davis, like there are very smart people who get in a room and look at stuff like this. And it, it is shocking to me. They, they said, we can green light this. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is truly shocking. The lengths you have to go to look, if I wanted to start a study, let's say I had a grant and I, and I, I was a, 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 a PhD, I was a, a professor or I was a researcher and I went to UC Denver and said, I would like to do a research study um, asking college kids about their spending habits. Even that you have to go through, you have to assert that there is no harm, uh, there's, there's privacy issues, there's everything else. But anytime you get into the medical realm, mm-hmm. like <laughs> the whole point is very smart people have to determine like, is this something that's even viable? Is it worth the risks to the right. subjects? Is there anything that sci- can be gained scientifically? I I could see a, a – there's lots of private research firms out there that will do – you know, in theory, like I'm sure they're adhering to the state laws or they, they should, but like – for a university to to let this go through their institutional review board and green light it is kind of shocking. Yeah. Maybe there's more information I don't know. I, I might dig a little deeper into this. Yeah, I think you should. Um, I might also send this to our friend Emily, who serves on the IRB um, for uh, University um, out of St. Louis. And I think that she'd have some real issues with this. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Continuing, um, this is this is the new thing now. So South Dakota Republican Representative Fred Deutsch said he still supports his state laws, which mandate that doctors <laughs> give patients a statement telling them that it may be possible to, quote, discontinue an abortion after taking Quote, I think it's a part of informed consent. So that's the new talking point. That, that, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Right. We have a whole list of items that we require physicians to provide women. For example, a woman must be informed that an abortion will terminate the life of a whole separate, unique human being. Mm-hmm. In response to a question about the research he'd relied on when deciding to support South Dakota's law, Deutsch emailed links to studies that examined the efficacy and safety of misoprostol, the second drug typically taken in a medication abortion and the drug that women who may wish to, quote, discontinue their abortions are not supposed to take. Multiple studies have found that misoprostol taken alone can effectively and safely induce an abortion early in pregnancy. Using misoprostol in combination with misoprostol is more effective and generally has fewer side effects. Yeah, like hemorrhaging. Right. We reviewed a host of studies pertaining to both drugs. I provided you links to the drugs you were apparently inquiring about. Um, anyway. Only one guy from Utah was like, I might take a separate look at it. Um, And then went on to say, quote, I'm no expert on the state of the medical research on this issue either way. Well, good. I'm so glad that we're passing laws. (laughs) But I'm going to make laws. I don't really know anything. I'm going to make a law that is very bad for women, but I don't really understand anything medically about it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a thing that I... You know, there's also this other law that I ran into that someone's proposing in some garbage place that is um, the requirement of um, reinserting the the 
fertilized egg after an ectopic pregnancy. Yes, yes. That one was controversial. Which is not a thing you can do. No, it's it's a thing that every medical expert says that's science fiction. It's not possible. Yeah. It's dangerous to try. Of it course can be it is. fatal. Yeah. It's never going to result in a viable fetus. It's not medically possible to do. And then some fucking lawmakers proposed a literal law saying if a woman has an ectopic pregnancy, it is the ethical... Um, responsibility of the doctor to attempt to reimplant that fertilized egg into That's the uterus. Insanity. Which, like, all the doctors are like, we can't do that, though. Like, you, you can make a law saying we have to, but we physically can't. That's like making a law saying if I get my head cut off, you, you have to re and it has to work. <laughs> yeah, like, even if uh, doctors are basically like, even no. if I'm willing to violate my uh, Hippocratic oath. Um, it's, like what you're asking is not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. It's not medically possible to do that. And I, it's dangerous to try. I think that one is dead now. I think it was Ohio where they, uh, they tried to introduce that. And I think it got enough pushback that they it was a fucking off on woman, it. by the way, who proposed it or sponsored it. And it's just like, fuck you, man. Fuck yeah, you. Seriously. Like I, you know, it's not like nine times out of ten it's not men doing this but every time it's a woman it's just like go fuck yourself like it makes me more mad <laughs> you know it's not possible <coughs> and like it's already traumatic to have an ectopic pregnancy and dangerous and potentially fatal if not treated appropriately <laughs> so can we stop living in la la land of how women's bodies work and actually decide to like learn how women's bodies work and then legislate according to that no no <laughs> no, that's not that's not what our supporters want. That's not what our big money donors want. We want to live in La La Land, where it doesn't matter how biology actually works. It only matters that it, it's like we're pretending. It's like Kegro always says. It's why don't you justism? Um, why don't you just put the 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 fetus back? If, yeah. if it's growing outside, put it put it where it's supposed to be. Why, why don't, don't you just, just do why that? Why don't you just put it? Why don't you just make a Frankenstein baby and put it in there? Why don't you just? If you wait, you need two drugs for abortion. Why don't you just uh, give give them a chance if they change their mind after the first one, and then everything. Will and be then fine. we'll give them some other hormone that doesn't prove to do anything except cause hemorrhaging. That why would be good. That, why don't that would be you good. Just it's the Republican way, like. Experts don't know. Science doesn't know. There's too much red tape. People think too much. It's the world is actually really simple. So why don't just, you just? Why don't you just make the baby anyway? <laughs> yeah. Like. Well, I don't. I don't even mean anymore. like that. I mean, why don't you just in terms of like. Right. The world is complicated, and science is hard, and math is hard, and we don't like to worry about all that stuff. So why don't you just do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's then try it. That's that's the conservative way. Why don't you just? Women and now will, it's gone to the way women's bodies work. We'll just women, you know, we'll just women will die and hemorrhage out and but you know, I decided that if you take this one drug and then not the other one you're supposed to take but give this hormone then they'll hemorrhage. Because that's why good. don't you just? Yeah. Why not? All right. Uh what else baby? That's all I got. Okay. So, let's talk about impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> so yesterday historically the uh House Intelligence Committee voted on... It was judiciary. The judiciary, sorry. Yeah. The judiciary uh, voted to advance articles impeachment to the full House for a vote. 
And Which means the committee voted on it and said yay. Yay, and mm-hmm. Pelosi obviously knows she has the vote, so yep. he's going to be impeached. Yes. Now, as a little reminder of what that means, that doesn't mean vote for impeachment means removal from office. It means nope. it then goes to the Senate, uh, where the Senate then votes whether to, based on the impeachment, to actually remove him from office or acquit him right. of the charges. Right. Um, so... As you know, the Senate is controlled by Republicans, and they are never going to remove him no. from office. Right. But that's not good enough for Senate leader Mitch McConnell, and I want to talk about this. Okay. Um, Mitch McConnell could do the whole dog and pony show and say, "Oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna create the rules and we're gonna go through the process," you know, knowing full well that. The Republican Senate under his watch will never, ever, ever, ever vote to remove him. Like, that goes without saying. We know right. that, right? Everyone knows that. But it's not Ma- a reason to not do it, by the way, which people have been talking about. Just because we know that yeah, it's not going to that, That's be... way besides the point I'm, um, okay, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm getting to. I just to. want to get to that at some point. Sure, we will. <coughs> Mitch McConnell went on, of course, Sean Hannity, <coughs> and basically said, we're not even really going to go through the motions of impeachment. And in fact, the little kangaroo court we're going to put together, I am in direct communication with White House counsel and the White House. So this goes all uh, however Trump needs it to, however he wants. He literally said that out loud. He literally said it out loud. Now, here's the problem with that. He said, we're going to be in lockstep with the White House on this. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to allow witnesses. (laughs) Which is like, there is, we've, we've. Do we have no separation of, of anything? Well, it goes way beyond that, right? Let, 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 yeah. Let's right. talk about the Constitution. Yeah. Impeachment isn't a thing that the Democrats just made up because they don't like Trump. Right. It is literally written into the Constitution. You know, that thing that the Tea Party people wave around, the little mm-hmm. pocket versions of? Mm-hmm. Um, it's <laughs> There are procedures. There are rules. Republicans uh, set and refined a lot of them during the Clinton impeachment. Mm-hmm. Like, so we have a roadmap and we know exactly what to do and how this is supposed to go and how to proceed. Mitch McConnell is basically saying, fuck the Constitution. It's not relevant. I don't care. Whatever. Um, you're not supposed to do that, but who's going to stop him? And this is the, the evil genius of Mitch McConnell. And this is what I want to talk about in a much broader scope. <coughs> so... Let's let's wind the clock back to like 2008 or uh, maybe more aptly would be 2012 Obama's entering his second term and Mitch McConnell well he's minority leader in 2008 and then Mitch McConnell he's majority leader in 2012. Mm-hmm. And let's do like a side by side profile of what what comes to mind when you think of Barack Obama and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, stodgy old white guy, been in politics forever, been in the Senate forever. People call him a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a conservative. It's conservative he, from the South. From the South, but he's, you know, he, he, he plays by the rules. Right. Barack Obama, outsider, community organizer, forward thinker, revolutionary ideas. Which I laugh at, but okay. Okay, but that, but that's right. That's what, yeah, that's absolutely. what people think. That's yes, yep. Well, guess what? Flip that on its head. Barack Obama, yep. Any, this was probably some measure of overcompensation. 
very much believed in a very ancient, like modern in, you know, speaking in terms of how fast politics move, an ancient way of doing business in Washington. And Mitch McConnell realized that the world has changed, the country has changed, norms and following laws is really kind of quaint Mm -hmm. and really might is right. Mm-hmm. And we can just kind of do whatever we want, yep. and the voters are not going to punish us. Whereas the Democrats are like, oh, we better stick to norms, and we better stick to rules, and we better be the reasonable people, and then the voters will reward us for that. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell and the Republicans realize the voters nope. really don't care. Nope. They they want what they want. Power, they don't care how you get it. Power is power. Yep. And all these other things like, you know, the economy and and different sort of perceptions about things. Mitch McConnell is an evil genius. Yeah. And this could backfire on him if the other side was as ruthless and forward thinking as he was. But we're not. And we are still playing this game. Remember, we, we played this game forever. It was Pat Leahy who let all these awful you know, Republican judges go through and, and did not stand up to him. Harry Reid <laughs> had to do the nuclear option to, to stem the bleeding a little bit. But this hostile takeover of government, essentially one-party rule, has been in the works for a long time. Yep. And Mitch McConnell knows it's a new world, and voters do not punish you for destroying norms no. and destroying rules. They don't care. They say they do. Sure, you pull them and it sounds good to say, oh, I want bipartisanship mm-hmm. and I want rules and norms respected and I love the Constitution. But they don't vote that way. People don't care about that. <coughs> no. They, and they I, also, not that they don't care, they also don't know. So like these like long upheld standards and traditions of congressional procedure and shit, nobody knows about that. No. Nobody cares about that. They nope. want the outcome that they want. They don't give a shit how you get to it. They really don't care no. how you get to where you get. They just want you to get there. And so all of these like, oh, this is this is the nuclear option. Nobody even knows what that means outside of like these little circles, right? They're mm-hmm. like, I don't know. What does that mean? We What did we blow up? And you're like, well, a really old standard of like how filibustering works. And they're like, <laughs> right. okay, What's a great. What the again? fuck's a filibuster? Is that where you read recipes or something? <laughs> I don't know. Right. You're like, okay. So they don't care because they don't, and they don't know. And I don't think they should be expected to know or care necessarily. Um, but democratic leadership but pretending is still, like it matters yeah. yes. is doing us harm. Yes. Yes. And we still are. We're still stuck in that idea. And we're still of this belief that, you know, I mean, I don't know how anybody could believe this after Trump, but right. like we're still in this belief that the voters will reward us for being the adults in the room mm-hmm. and caring about norms right. and caring about common decency. Um, being statesmanly. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's not true. Can we learn? That's my question for the Democratic Party is like. I understand that very intensely because I was one of those people who mm-hmm. cared intensely about that sort of thing. And also understood it and why it was there and like the purpose of these things. And it was has been very upsetting and destabilizing for me to watch them be eroded. I am a very rare bird in this, right? But like I have learned, because I have watched things happen, that like that is no longer the case. I have learned that no one else cares about that but me. It's like the Oxford comma. (laughs) I care very deeply about it. I have grown into learning that no one else cares, even though they're wrong. 
And so yeah, I don't fault people for not using it. How to spell lose or loose, apparently. I do. That's not a thing I'm willing to do. <laughs> that's not even close. Yeah. But, right? So my question is, as a party, we have to learn. We have to... Learn and adapt. Learn Hopefully, and adapt. But I, because we're just not doing that. We're and very they, slow to do that. Because it's sacred to us. Mm-hmm. Right, our institutions and our norms and our values are those are secret things. Right, that's the, that's the advantage they have. They never really cared about any no, of that stuff. No, they never did. They no. only care about outcomes, and we have power to start, for power's sake. Yes, we have to start doing that, and mm-hmm. that pains me. And I fought you for a long time on this, even back in you know twenty, what twenty fourteen, like when. Um, the Republicans took back control of everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, but like they can't do this because norms and blah. And we have to like, but and you were like, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. And I was like, I fucking care. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to old podcasts and listen to us yell at each other about it. And you were right. Um, it mattered to me. It still matters to me. It matters to a few people, but all but those it, people but it, it matters matter, to. It doesn't matter to me in the same way because it, what matters more to me is that like we stop losing everything. Mm. Right, the the entire destruction of our political system is at stake. So norms are not the most important thing anymore, um, which wasn't the case back then. Well, but. nobody who cares about any of that is a Trumpist. Yeah. So you know, kind of goes without well, saying but, that we care about it and they don't. That but, that's in the definition of who we are right now. Yeah, but even people who are on our side don't really care at this point. No, but the, I'm saying the ones who do are on our side. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. Yeah. The only ones that do are on our side. And yeah. we have to stop caring is what we have to do. Ultimately, like well, we have to start playing by a different set of rules yes. because we're right. We're doing that thing. What's that like uh, meme and or adage that's like we're um, playing poker in a house that's on fire and <laughs> like dealing the next hand mm-hmm. instead of dealing with the fucking house being on fire. Like mm-hmm. we have to play by the set of rules that is before us. Yeah. We have to deal with the reality yeah. that we're now in. And, and I don't know that we are, and this is going to be a really good test because if McConnell wants to go that route, we can really hang Republicans out to dry with this to an extent at least. And what, what he's risking is that, yeah, let them pound us, you know, let them, let them do what they do. Ultimately people aren't, really going to care. He might be right. But like the whole point of doing this, right. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, yes, Mitch McConnell is shredding the constitution gleefully in front of everybody's face. Yes. Um, and you know, I think we're still flat footed is, is the, the early impressions I get is like, he he said he said what I can't believe this right. and they're just we're just sort of dumbfounded. Well, it's so shocking every time, and it has to stop being so shocking. Every no, time. no, he's, he's gonna do whatever he wants, and he's been doing it for years. Yes. And when are we gonna get wise to it? Yeah, Trump's gonna do whatever he wants. Constitution and laws be damned. McConnell's yeah. gonna do what he wants. Constitution and laws be damned. We know House Republicans are gonna do whatever they want, and we either start playing by the new rules because even when we play by the rules they say we don't yep and then the new york times runs with oh it's just partisan rancor mm-hmm. and so like you, there's no way to win by playing by the rules i sort of put it to this metaphor like when you are in a monogamous relationship with a jealous partner right Ooh. and <coughs> this partner is constantly accusing you of cheating 
constantly accusing you of cheating. You're cheating. I need to see your emails. I yeah. want to read your phone. Uh, where there. have sure. you been? Where mm-hmm. Where were you five seconds ago? Who are you talking to? Yes. Why do you know someone named Karen? <laughs> what is your What is your Do you have a secret email address? Are you like that whole thing? Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you may as well cheat <laughs> because they've they're so convinced you've already done it. You may as well just do it. Might as well right? enjoy the because you may as well yeah you may as well just go get laid with whoever you want because you're already you're living in an environment where it's being assumed that that's happening. Yeah. So you just may as well do it. Right. Right. And generally, also when that's the case, the person who's accusing you of that is cheating. Yeah. Which is exactly the same thing with what's happening in my metaphor. Right. Right. The Republicans are accusing us of doing all of these terrible things to shred the Constitution. So you may as well just shred it because that's what they're doing. Well, that's but that's the Karl Rove playbook. Like whatever we're doing that might be controversial, get us a hot water, accuse the other side of doing. And at the very least, it'll create so much confusion, we'll get away with it. Yep. So we may as well do it, too. Yeah. Hurts me to say that. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, how do we how do we take the country back? Otherwise? Well, that that's the thing we're talking about. If we're fortunate enough. If, assuming there's going to be more free and fair elections to get all three branches of government back, like we will have to go on a rampage just to restore balance. Yeah. You know, in yeah. terms of the courts and the Supreme Court and everything else. And I don't even yeah. know that we have the stomach to do that. If we I don't have- think it's possible. I'm, I don't mean to be so fatalistic, but I, I just don't know that like we come back all the way from this. Right. Yeah. No, you're, you're probably right. Um, like so much damage has been done yeah. that I don't know. But it really is like uh, people who are still paying attention really need to notice and say, wow, okay, wow. We're just, we're not going to follow the rules and no. we're not going to follow the Constitution. No. We're going to be so partisan that we're just going to rewrite it yeah. to protect our guy. Like, just understand. And, and McConnell is not pretending, he's not saying, well, I'm going to follow the rules in the Constitution and do this and that. He's He's saying, fuck it. Yep. Fuck it. Out loud. I don't I don't like this impeachment and I don't agree with it, so I'm not gonna be a part of it. Right. And Lindsey Graham is saying the same thing. He's less important. Um but that's what all of Republican leadership is saying. And Right. You know, uh, Susan Collins and Cory Gardner can say, Oh, I don't really like that, but they'll ultimately go along with it. And if there is anyone else that's quote, a quote independent who can be swayed either way and really cares, do you care? And I don't know that they do. No. Like every time McConnell makes these calculations, he's usually right. Yep. Like, you know, there was in 2018, the, the tide was against him and to hold onto the base, they went with the crazy, um, you know, immigrant scare tactics and they lost, but they were probably going to lose anyway. Yeah. Um, you know. I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot of, like, hope and change for y'all. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. I. Um, yeah, we're, we, in, we're we, in constantly hoping for triage. That's, like, the best we can do. Right. Like, I mean, we've been living in a world since I've been born, I think since most everybody who's ever lived um, in this country that... There's this set of rules and set of laws, and the Constitution is something that we talk about all the time. We teach kids, and it's this, like, sacred document. And it was a belief, I think, that most people had that you couldn't just violate it without some consequences, right? Sure. And there might be some consequences, but we're learning that you can absolutely just violate it 
and the consequences may or may not come. And that's a thing that we're all sort of reeling from and going like, is this real? Like, is this like, and all of these, like, I feel like the New York Times opinion pieces and stuff that are coming out, they can't deal with the reality of what's happening. Right. They're still like, well, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something else. It's like this weird gaslighting thing from the media because they can't actually just look at what is happening is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so they have to make these weird, like really long shot opinion pieces about like, maybe that's not happening. It's this other thing. And it's partisan. (coughs) It's, you know, it's not that the Constitution is being shredded by congressional Republicans. It's just something else because it has to be because the Constitution is not a thing that can be shredded. But we're watching in real time as it is being shredded. And we have to start talking about it as though that's what's happening. Well, this may all happen way faster than Mm -hmm. waiting for the 2020 election because a lot of these things in terms of impeachment are going to be overseen by John Roberts and are going to be decided by the Supreme Court. And a lot of people are generally assuming, well, the Supreme Court's going to uphold the Constitution and the rule of law and the the precedents that have been set in prior Mm -hmm. impeachments. And I'm saying I wouldn't bet on that. In fact, I would bet probably against it. Now, Roberts sometimes surprises there's a chance Kavanaugh still could be in that phase where, like, I have to not act like a total stooge. No, to I think he did be that taken one seriously. thing. Yeah, he did that one thing yeah, that everybody like, forgot okay, about. Now he's like, okay, I'm legitimate. Yeah, now I can do now he's I on want. board. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tend to agree with you. Yep. Like it's. I, we have to start behaving like the reality that we're in is the reality that we're in, and yeah. not pretending that it's not. Yeah. And we're in a system where we were, you know, 2016, 2017, we were being gaslit by the Trump administration. And at this point, what we're doing is gaslighting ourselves. Yeah. We're trying so hard to believe that what's happening isn't happening, that we're letting it happen. Yeah, no. And people are still saying things like, well, there's those those moderate Republicans will come to the Ugh. rescue. The Supreme Court will come to the rescue. Nobody's coming to the Nobody's rescue. Nobody's coming to the rescue. Nope. Nope. They have seized power. Yeah. That's right. And... Um, and I don't, know, I'm not, I don't, I, I obviously, I'm still hoping for a political solution to start to undo the damage. And we can do that potentially in 2020 if we take back the White House and the Senate. Uh, and again, that would just be triage. But like yeah. every day, I'm a little more leaning towards like, I don't know, if this gets fixed through politics. I don't either. I don't think it does. I, you know, and, and you I'm got not, Mike Huckabee coming out here and saying Trump can run for a third term, right? Yeah, I'm I'm less worried about the third term stuff. I, I you know, I I don't think that we get to 2024, right? In this current <coughs> situation, um, like if Trump wins in 2020, let's just imagine that that happens. Well, hello, okay. If um, Trump wins in 2020, and the 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 Republicans, and let's say they some miracle or through cheating, they win back the House and they have all three chambers in the Supreme Court and yeah. they want to uh, repeal the, I forget which amendment, the one that said, you know, Roosevelt can't serve 85 mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, they could do that. And then Trump could ostensibly serve the rest Look, of his life. I'm saying if, if, if he it's wins not in impossible. 20, if he wins in 2020. All bets are off. Um, yeah, no, I think we're done. There is no 2024 election mm-hmm. for Mike Huckabee to be the campaign chairman of. It doesn't <laughs> exist. There will be no elections. Right. Um, like that's that's not I mean, not real ones at least right it'll be like Russian elections right yeah I mean like the great powerful leader it, won a ninety nine point eight percent I mean I'm talking about it like this people think I'm crazy but you know there are many many countries 
on this planet today, currently, that exist, that have that kind of a government. Yeah. And we are just barreling yeah. our way toward it. And that it. once had a democracy, functioning democracy. Yeah, we are barreling our way toward that. And, like, we can pretend it could never happen here, but it is currently happening. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that the Judiciary Committee voted for impeachment. Great. And... I like I don't know. I feel, I just feel like we're just on this freight train toward becoming not anything resembling anything I ever thought we would be. And I think pretending like that's not true isn't going to do us any service. Like we need to really be serious about what is happening. All right. Well, we will keep broadcasting about that until Bill Barr throws us in Gitmo. Yep. And um yeah, listen to us. <laughs> I don't know what else Stay. to tell you. Active. Stay active, as active as you can. Stay tuned, stay involved. We are going to keep I, you up to date on everything that's going yeah. on, but we are at a tipping point right now. Yeah, we are. And no, Trump is not going to be removed from office, but he doesn't necessarily have to for this to work, but there's just keep your eyes open. Just keep your eyes open and keep your community strong, and I think that's the most important thing you can do right now. Okay. I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. See you next week. Bye.